Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode of the Cult Pop Show podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post credit scene at the end of each episode, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopshow. <laughs> Hey Richard, what do you think the scariest thing is? Um, being deprived of oxygen. No, it's actually silver balls. <laughs> That's the scariest thing you will ever see, is silver floating balls. silver balls. Silver Don't, balls. you're scaring me! <laughs> it's spook time in the city. It is spook time in the city and we're continuing on with our annual Spooktober celebration here on the Cold Popture Podcast. Here on Film Franchise Fortnights on the Cold Popture Podcast, where every fortnight Richard and myself, AJ, uh, cover a film franchise. And since it is Spooktober, we are, of course, doing a couple of spooky ones, which we can actually do at any other time of mm. the year. It's more the restriction we put on October because restrictions breed creativity. Is that the term? Yep innovation what do people say paradigm <laughs> <laughs> and today on the podcast as voted on um very uh very very passionate voting um process for this episode we are covering the phantasm franchise this is why i mentioned silver balls because if you don't know anything about phantasm if you're not scared of silver balls you clearly haven't seen phantasm <laughs> silver balls are maybe the you know the, the defining imagery from the series so hmm. you may have actually seen more of the series than you think you have if you haven't already um, if you've if, ever seen a silver ball if you've ever seen a silver ball that's, that's the a phantasm reference <laughs> <laughs> if you've never seen the phantasm franchise um this is probably still a pretty easy episode to listen to um so stick around if you have or if you haven't but the phantasm franchise is a series of five schlocky horror films released from the late 70s to the mid 2010s which focus on a malevolent undertaker known as the tall man a supernatural entity or phantasm if you will uh, who steals dead bodies and reanimates them as little demon things with the intent of overthrowing the earth and existence as we know it the tall man famously used these floating silver balls as his main weapon which rocket around the place with protruding blades and they stab their victims in the head and then the drill goes into their brain and all their blood comes out yeah yeah the phantasm series or at least the first film has garnered a cult following over the years for its low budget charm and gory practical effects mm. uh what's really interesting about the series as opposed to the others we've covered which have 
which it like begin with a low budget entry and mm. then you know secured a fan following and a and a higher budget um things like mad max or evil dead or al mariachi um the budget for or and certainly the production values for the rest of the phantasm movie <laughs> they don't really improve Pretty they consistent. stay about the <laughs> very consistent um and instead the the so the entire series maintains a very lo-fi aesthetics aesthetic with um some of them even looking worse than the first film yeah. um after researching the series one thing has become abundantly clear and that's how dedicated its fan base is uh with the series of very comprehensive wikipedia pages uh, and other resources <laughs> that feel like they were written by either diehard fans of the series or the cast and crew themselves mm. um all of this goodwill towards the franchise, Richard, is why it breaks my heart to report up top that this may be one of the least enjoyable franchises I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> the, there it is, everybody. If you're a big Phantasm fan, I said stick around. Maybe you don't want to now. Or maybe you want to hear a difference in opinion mm. from someone who's seen these movies once and barely remembers them and wouldn't remember them if I didn't write them down. It, it's a very, um, it is one of those very blend together kind of franchises mm. as well i find but that's Consistent. also also um <laughs> it's a good thing but um yeah that that is also due to the kind of uh dreamlikey kind of surrealist aesthetic they're going mm. for so a lot of it is does mm. blend into one because it, 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 almost by design that you're not supposed to know you know where reality starts and ends and, Ooh, um, blurring cool. the lines as it is already and then uh that ends up blurring it between. it's not a it's not a franchise made to be binged that's a good way to put it and maybe that's the problem mm. this, Although, this is supposed to be a franchise you grew up with and have lived mm. to see one of them be released at least yeah yeah right yeah yeah totally um, so the films we'll be talking about today include Phantasm in 1979, very early mm. for for our podcast. Um, Phantasm 2 in 1988, Phantasm 3, Lord of the Dead in 1994, Phantasm 4, Oblivion in 1998, or Phantasm Oblivion or Phantasm Obliforian because the four, the IV make up the middle of Oblivion. Um, and then Phantasm Ravager, or Revive Virgin <laughs> <laughs> in 2016. Um, so 18 years after the last one. Um, the first four were all directed by Don Coscarelli. I would say Coscarelli. Coscarelli. And they all star one Reggie Bannister, who we'll talking, be talking about at length uh, over this yeah. episode. And, and also, they all star Angus Scrim as well as the tall. That's man. true, as the tall man. Yep, who we won't be talking about. <laughs> 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 um, Phantasm, nineteen seventy nine, directed by Don Casarelli. Do you know what this has on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, I would guess like seventy six. It is seventy four. Mm. So <laughs> pretty low for a cold. Well, yeah, like no, it feels like that kind of like <laughs> even the good ones, not that good. Like. Mm. Yeah, um, which is why I went for around that. That, mm. yeah, it, it feels like it could go either way. Like I, I'm glad it's not rotten, right? But I'm also you glad it's not fresh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and to sort of fish. to sort of drive home what the um, Wikipedia pages read like when you know when they're clearly being written by people who love the series a whole lot more than than i do and i i haven't actually asked you really how much you liked or disliked these 
yet, but maybe you can tell us. Mm, maybe um, it'll come up naturally. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've sent you synopses for each of the five films mm. that were written on the Phantasm franchise Wikipedia page. And I, I'm, I'm wanting you to read these synopses because the language used in them is very uh, dumb IMDb trivia. Right, okay, so, <laughs> and I, I haven't read these yet. These are the, I'm reading these mm. uh, yeah. blind and cold. Mm, very good. Help, I can't see and I need a jacket. <laughs> um, all right, it really no. is Spooktober. <laughs> um, so this is for Phantasm, 1979. Mm-hmm. The residents of a small town have begun dying under strange circumstances leading young Mike to investigate. After discovering that the town's mortician, only known as the Tall Man, is killing and reanimating the dead as misshapen zombies, Mike seeks help from his older brother Jody and their friend Reggie, a local ice cream man. Working together, they try to lure out and destroy the Tall Man, all while avoiding his minions and a deadly silver sphere. So not too, not too wacky in, in the way. Yeah, I presume these get wackier because that yeah, was a pretty, the, pretty apt description all, of the film. <laughs> it is, it is an apt description, but it does read more like. The the blurb on the back of the dvd case as opposed right, yeah, to a wikipedia sure. synopsis right like um i always i always shudder when i see like uh subjective adjectives and <laughs> these mm. sorts of things um what did you think of phantasm uh i actually quite liked phantasm i'm gonna say mm-hmm. um i understand it's it's like in a lot of ways it's like a perfect cult film Right, that that's a good it, way to put it. It's like this. This is the kind of movie, and I've spoken before a few times about the the twenty four hour movie marathon I go I've gone to the last three years, and it, this mm-hmm. is like a perfect movie for that. Or like the sequels, right. more like they tend to be a little bit shittier than this. <laughs> but it's that kind of like, and you're watching it at three a.m. You're half asleep, you and you kind of you know again, it's mm-hmm. that blending of your real life with the movie and. It's like it's a cool like a mortician who's reanimating bodies is a a dope uh like logline for a film. How clear do you reckon that is in the film? Not like at all. Um yeah, on. yeah, no, no, not at all. <laughs> I don't really understand the lore of phantasm. Yeah. I yeah. don't get what's going on for a lot of these movies. Um but just yeah, the the aesthetic, the um the yeah, the the low budget kind of nature that sort of the the grassroots film filmmaking, and also the fucking score is phenomenal. It's better oh. than the movie. the 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 score to this film is like something like I think um I saw somewhere like Wikipedia maybe like reference mentions that it's like considered one of the greatest horror film scores of all time, right. and I totally get that. Like I watching it, I was like, this is used in something else. And I I'll think need it's to, just, I'll play it under under you talking about. It. I don't remember it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> um, and it's like um, there, there is like a main theme to it, kind of thing. Um, it, it, it's it's a little bit similar to Halloween, which came out a year earlier. Mm-hmm. And I like I played it for Jess and was like, "This is dope, right?" <laughs> like, and is this from something else? And that was like I was trying to figure. She she said, it, and it does actually sound very similar to the Goosebumps uh, theme song um but i've right. never watched goosebumps so that's not where i recognize it from um but i think it is one of those things dun, that this dun, is just dun, dun. Is that the yeah, yeah, yeah. um <laughs> i i think it's just one of those things where this is so influential that i must have seen hundreds of things that were inspired by it and yeah. realizing this is the creation of it and this is at its best form yeah the, the oh Great we score. need to talk about the scores more in these yeah. franchises. When you get Carlisle on, he knows everything about music. 
every single uh, thing. What, like, he's heard like, every what, like sound. Three, three episodes <laughs> in a row that we've, we've shouted out, Carlo. <laughs> uh, well, maybe he'll get a shout out later on as well. Um, really? Obviously, <laughs> the charm of this oh, film. Oh, I forgot. I forgot why. <laughs> um, <laughs> comes from some pretty fun backyard filmmaking. Um, and while I didn't hate this film by any means, I'm worried what it says. I am worried about what it says about me that I'm just so unenthused by this kind of thing. Now, mm. maybe it is a symptom of watching so many franchises, mm. but whenever I Which see, like, <laughs> whenever I see um, this kind of thing, like, you know, fun gore and heads coming off in fun practical ways. I don't know, man. I guess I've just seen it too much. I guess yeah. I've just seen bad taste too many times. You're like, and I know how fucking miserable this sounds. And this has got to be the most negative Nelly take to have ever been on a film podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that practical effects are boring. <laughs> like, because that's what so many people get into filmmaking for. Mm. And Give me and some I, bloody and, CGI. That's why the Phantasm, <laughs> uh, Phantasm Ravager is the best one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and look, I yeah, I get that it's not maybe the the most. It's maybe somewhat too hot of a take to be like practical effects suck. But I'm <laughs> talking specifically about these low budget ones, and it's not that I dislike them. It's just like I've seen it. If this is all the movie has to offer, I have seen this shit and other mm. other stuff. Oh yeah, no, yeah, fair enough. I, I like whereas I'm like I, I I'm on the same kind of mind that i've seen this before but i'm still charmed by it i guess is the thing fair enough um i, 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 I just don't i'm not saying i'm better you know what i mean like i'm i'm envious it's of you like you're um, <laughs> weird that you'd bring it up if you don't feel like <laughs> um one thing that i that blew me away um when i initially started doing research for this episode before we swapped um <laughs> is that so this was uh written directed shot and edited by Don Cossarelli, mm-hmm. who was 25 at the time, mm-hmm. um, which is like this is this is his Citizen Kane. Yeah, this is he peaked so much at the start of his career. <laughs> um, he did make Baba Hotep, which I know I you're love a fan Baba of. Hotep. Yeah, um, Baba Hotep's great. <laughs> and uh, I've, I haven't seen it, but he also made John Dies at the End, um, another mm. film I haven't seen. But I bought the book uh, years and like when it came out. Very and, funny title. Um, and yeah. Uh, never read it and then uh, didn't watch the movie. Um, but yeah, like he, um, it, it, it's, I think that adds to the charm of the film that this is just some fucking kid, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Um, and well, doing everything himself. Um, it's been a bit, it's been a banner year for, um, you know, people doing everything. Yeah. I mean, just this and Robert Rodriguez, I guess. <laughs> um, well, it was, he didn't actually do everything himself, but it does add to the narrative of him being a kid because his dad financed the film for about $300,000. So that's our first budget, right? That's wow. our first budget as, as the this three hundred grand. Um and his mum made a lot of the special effects and costumes. My yeah. mum's not that fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. Have your mum making you like all these all this blood and guts and stuff. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, w- I will be updating you on the budgets as the series goes on because I'm usually not a budget guy, but the the films stay so consistently poor looking that I was like, what's the deal here? What What's going what's on? What's the deal? 
Um, JJ Abrams. Are you familiar with this person, Richard? Uh, he made Super 8, I believe. Mm. He also made a little film called Star Wars The Force Awakens, <gasps> in which My a character. Star Wars. <laughs> in which a character is named Captain Phasma mm. and was named after this film because of her silver suit. This is uh, Abrams' quote is quoted She looks saying, like a ball. Phasma I named because of the amazing chrome design that came from Michael Kaplan's wardrobe team. It reminded me of the ball and Phantasm, and I just thought Phasma sounds really cool. Mm. So there you go. Do you know what was funny? And sorry to bring this up, um, but when we saw The Last Jedi together mm. at a midnight screening, and you were adamantly defending it, which you do to this day, and I was... Not I do into to this it. day. Um, but one of my complaints was that Captain Phasma just shows up and then is immediately defeated. And not even in like a, oh, you know, should have had more to do. I was expecting more from the sequel. It was just like, that was a dumb thing to, to just introduce her that late into the film. And you were like, no, she was in the film the whole way up until that point. And it's like one of your defenses is just completely factually inaccurate. She's in that one scene and that's it. My new defense is that she is the Tiny Toon version of Boba Fett, who also yeah, yeah, dies yeah. in a similarly um, um, ceremonious way. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the tall man, Richard. Mm, he has, he's quite tall. He has, well, that, I disagree. That's my note. He's not that tall. <laughs> for a guy named for his height, he's not that tall. He's actually, um, the guy who played Jody was very similar height to the tall man in real life. And they had to use a bit of creative photography to make him look taller. But I just don't think it's the defining characteristic of the character. And if it is, if, or if it was supposed to be, they could have made him a bit taller, I reckon. <laughs> um, yeah, he's a, uh, Angus Scrim, the actor played him is um approximately six foot four um and he wore suits that were too small for him and plat- platform shoes mm. um to accentuate the height. yeah <laughs> well i mean six four isn't it's, it's like tall but if it's like this is a supernatural entity called the tall man i kind of expect him to break seven foot you know <laughs> yeah but also like he's named by a little kid right uh probably yeah like because it's mike and the uh, you know is hmm. i i believe the first time that you know someone refers to him but I, I i like i went back and forth as the franchise went on about how i felt about the tall man as hmm. as a as a moniker like it part of it is like that's it's so cool just having like just the tall man like it it um i don't know it's, it's just there's a mystique about it but then sometimes i'm like well, it's a, kind of a stupid name but then it's like well what else would you call like the mortician or something like that um that's pretty good yeah i'd call the whole franchise the mortician <laughs> morticia adams <laughs> well, i don't know just like phantasm is it feels like the title you give it because you can't think it you don't want to call it the tall man well yeah it, phantasm is a bit like um friday the 13th that it's like yeah yeah doesn't need to be called this yeah yeah um do you like angus scrim's performance uh again i think i went back and forth on it a little bit like he's uh, i i don't know that his performance is uh insanely consistent (laughs) but then i i think that's more to do with how much the tall man has to do in each film rather than his actual Mm. acting or direction Mm. yeah do you find the film scary uh no no i mean like 
I could understand. Uh, I would say the 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 word I would use more than scary would be like unsettling, mm. um, and not even that I was necessarily unsettled by it, but I I think it's going for more discomfort than horror. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I wanted to talk about the ending of this film with you because I'm not sure I fully caught, not sure I fully picked up what it was putting down. Um, it basically ends and implies so Jody, the older brother, dies, and in a car wreck while escaping the phantasm, and then Reggie, who's looking after Mike, the, the, Jody's little brother, kind of seems to act like none of this actually happened, like it was all a dream, mm. and that Jody died in some other event, and that the events of the movie didn't actually happen, and then um, Mike in a in what uh, an ending reminiscent of um, a Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. though that wouldn't come out till much later. Mm. Um, he's pulled into the mirror from the tall man the the reflection also kind of similar to um uh is it friday the 13th part two Mm. we reach reaches through with baghead jason right yeah 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 true um and it's it's confusing because the rest of the series kind of seems to operate on that not being the actual actual ending but i don't know i just wanted to know what you thought did you think it was confusing uh, I thought the whole series was confusing. <laughs> <laughs> well, initially while watching this, um, I found myself thinking that this series was unlike anything we'd ever covered. Like, yeah, I thought it, it was uh, exactly like everything else we've ever covered. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I just had such a unique vibe, and that's for better or yeah. worse. I'm not it's, it's happy that it. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but then I remembered one franchise that is a quite quite a lot like. <laughs> which is uh critters (laughs) (laughs) Um, and i became determined to not let this become another critters episode because um people won't have realized this unless they've heard us talk about it but when we recorded the critters episode maybe three years ago we were just like oh this is a a franchise (laughs) like it's, it's another one of these franchises which feels like it has this intense fan base but i've never (laughs) heard anyone from the fan base say anything it's just evidence of a fan base and like actors you've never heard of (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's like surely there's a fan base but yeah like like critters is the 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 platonic ideal of like a forgettable franchise Mm, it's like it's the it's the poster child for forgettability Mm. Mm. um do you have any more comments on this won't be a critters episode by the way it's gonna get silly (laughs) Um, do you have any more comments on the original Phantasm that you want to bring up? Just check out the score. Just check out the score. I wonder if it's available on vinyl. Oh, that would be pretentious of me. Phantasm soundtrack vinyl. (laughs) Do you reckon fans of Phantasm call themselves Phantasm? Uh, I, 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 I did see some articles where people are like, personally, I'm a fan. So blah, blah, blah. And it was spelled P-H-A-N. Ah, very good. Mm. Very good. Phantasm 2 came out in 1988, also directed by Don Casarelli. What do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, this would be I 46. It's got 40. Why did you guess 46? What's your thinking behind um, that? I, I don't know. I, I'm, I guess I'm going with um, numbers that end in 6 this mm-hmm. episode after my 76 guess um yeah. 
And I just thought 40 was the right, you know, uh, decade mm. that would have fallen. Uh, yeah, I, I would guess that Phantasm is the only fresh one. And sure, yeah. then this one I would say is one of the higher ones, but not quite 56. <laughs> so 46. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 40. Do you mm. want to read us um, the what the Wikipedia synopsis has for Phantasm 2? Uh, I sure do. Um in Phantasm 2, picking up exactly where the previous film leaves off, the tall man and his minions attempt to take Mike, but Reggie manages to save him by blowing up the house. Eight years later, Mike, now a mental patient, still has nightmares about the evil mortician and is the only person to recall that dreadful night. <laughs> Upon being released from the institution, Mike, who's had a premonition about Reggie's family, tries to warn his friend of the ensuing danger before an explosion murders the entire family. <laughs> Convinced by Mike's futile warning, the two men set out to track the mysterious mortician down and rescue Liz Reynolds, a young woman who has a psychic connection to both Mike and the tall man. <laughs> Does she? Um, I think why I like why I wanted you to read these out is because they're not written. I've got such a nice voice. <laughs> yeah that's true no they're not they're not written like functional synopses they're written like someone trying to secure funding for the movie right, like yeah, yeah, logline-esque you know mm. um what did you think of phantasm 2 uh <laughs> panic um <laughs> yeah no the, um phantasm 2 is like it's this weird thing where you can like you can you can see the cogs turning mm-hmm. behind this 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 screen. You got like a steampunk TV. <laughs> <laughs> it's like um because they they recast Mike, mm-hmm. um and they're clearly trying to go for a bigger movie star um mm-hmm. with James Legros. Mm-hmm. It was nearly Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah, I actually, I actually knew that. Um. Because uh, then, yeah. Sorry, I've I've lost my train of thought. I'm just too phantasmed out. But um, and then also like it, it, this. This is the clear like. All right, yeah. Let's make this a franchise. They make it a lot mm-hmm. more linear, which I know was a note from the studio. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it's very much try and it does the the when reduced to Reggie's um four barrel shotgun, uh, which mm-hmm. is like his staple kind of thing. Yeah, it it just this feels very much like remember these elements because they're gonna pop up again because we're gonna make more sequels you know <laughs> um i don't think i really hated this one at all i think it was i probably i maybe liked it a little less than the first one um but yeah i don't know i don't know if i can if i would if i see the downfall as much as other people see it maybe it's because i wasn't that jazzed on the first one um but Cossarelli initially didn't think the first film needed a sequel but um quote had what he described as a breakthrough when he realized he could start the film immediately after the previous film's final scene Mm. which is a very interesting thing to have a breakthrough <laughs> i could just keep going with the story <laughs> i guess it's maybe the not not the most obvious place to start a sequel but it's not it's not rocket science don <laughs> it's not silver ball science <laughs> um so yeah this this movie happened because universal um snapped up the phantasm ip because they wanted it to be sort of their new trademark horror um and they dropped it pretty quick after the critical (laughs) reception to this one um universal also funded the film for three million dollars which is a very low budget for universal apparently like 
the, one of the lowest budgets of the year for a wow. film, uh, but the highest budget for any of the Phantasm films. Um, <laughs> so one man's trash, etc., etc. <laughs> um, I've got a dumb Wikipedia entry here. I saw this Ooh. list, this written on the Wikipedia page, and I thought it was written very stupid, similar to what I've been saying. That like there's a there's this earnestness to how everything is written about this franchise online that I want to make fun of because I am a bully. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the following is written under the themes section on the film's oh, Wikipedia course. page, and it reads like someone insisting the movie is bad on purpose. Like, you know, that like, uh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. why did they intentionally make it bad? Well, here's an idea. Um, this is what it says. John Kenneth Muir states that, like many horror movies of the 1980s, Phantasm II shifted its focus to guns. Sequels in the 1980s were required to be bigger, gorier, and have more firepower than previous installments. The theme of bigger is better means that everything is upgraded. A quadruple shotgun, golden spheres, oh, there's golden spheres, by the way, um, and increased weaponry, a chainsaw duel, and the nature of the tall man's death. Muir states that the narrative of a boy dealing with the loss of his family is unchanged, but it's approached differently. Instead of the surrealism of phantasm, it is approached in a conventional, less abstract manner. And it's like, it's not, it's a sequel. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny, like, pre- pre- acting like the theme is bigger is better. <laughs> <laughs> and like, the reason it's like, just flat out not as satisfying or authentic as the first one is because they were going for something and not because um, the on, like, on record studio interference happened. It's like, <laughs> it's like recorded. Um, as you mentioned before, one weird thing about this film is that Mike, who's the little boy in the first one, he's recast. Um, uh, he was played by A. Michael Baldwin. <laughs> That's his first initial A, not A, not just any Michael Baldwin, but A. Michael Baldwin. Um, played him in the first film um, and was ultimately recast with, as you said, James LaGrosse in this. Though Baldwin would return to the role in the rest of the sequels, which is very strange. And yeah. did you did you notice that it was a different actor? That's a really interesting question. <laughs> mm. um, well, like, and it's not—it's not a I didn't pay attention. Thing. I, I don't know if I noticed. I, I think maybe I didn't notice it was the same character. Weirdly, like, May- oh wow. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say it's not an issue of you not paying attention. It's like you—you you maybe didn't because the actor's grown, the character's grown. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you didn't know they're the same character, that is an issue of not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You're like, I. I I know. Yeah, I think I, I think I had read already that they'd recast mm. him because I knew he was recast. Well, I, I saw him and was like, "That's not the same. That's not the little kid grown up. He looks so different." Mm. And then when he appears in the sequels, he looks so clearly like the little kid from the first mm. one grown up. I was like, "God, maybe it was him in the last movie." And it wasn't until I was researching for this today <laughs> that I found out the recasting actually happened. Um. So this happened because Universal, the recasting happened because Universal, who financed the film, wanted Costarelli to recast all the roles with more well-known Hollywood names, um, and he was able to compromise on one of the two returning cast members. So he recast Mike, but he kept Reggie Bannister as Reggie, who, ladies and gentlemen, I think is the worst protagonist I've maybe ever seen in (laughs) anything. (laughs) I thought this guy ruined these movies. I thought he fucking sucked dude in terms of the podcast i think the only character we've seen who matches reggie's lack of charisma would be that the dude from tokyo drift 
<laughs> the funny accent, the, the yeah, like yeah. southern drawl, Sean like, Black or something. Like, yeah, yeah, that yeah. that's the level of like l- like lack of char- charisma that Reggie has. And initially, I had like a little crisis about this, Richard, because it felt like one of the only things I had to talk about with this franchise. But then I was like, Are my reasons superficial? Am I being a bully again? Because yeah, he's because, bald. <laughs> because. Is it because he's bald? Is it because he's not very Hollywood attractive? Like, he doesn't look like an actor. He looks like some guy. Am I being, like, part of the problem by, like, mm. being like, this guy can't be the main character. He's gross and, and looks like a real person. He's gross. So what... <laughs> Um, was it because he's a bald man with a ponytail, which is maybe the worst hairstyle there is? <laughs> is that why I didn't like it? Because I was like, is this a man who's uh, refusing to write off his hair and is still like, no, no, I can still make it cool. Do you know, no. actually, like watching Ravager, I had the real, like, if my hair was looking like that, what would I do? Because I, mm-hmm. like, okay, obviously the ponytail's not in you know obviously that's ridiculous but mm-hmm. the like you, you know the the when you're completely bald on top like cr- total chrome dome but you've mm-hmm. still got real decent coverage around yeah. the sides and back yeah it's like it actually kind of looks better than being fully bald mm-hmm. in a weird way and i was and i was having the the thought of like would would i go completely bald because i've always thought it's like sad that you know that men hold on to that but it's like yeah. if you have such decent coverage and are just completely shiny bald on top like is that better and i and i i couldn't work it out I, mm. my friends i could not work it out because I... i've been growing out my hair recently and mm. i've been thinking about hair a lot lately mm. and i don't know what i'm <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing with my <laughs> with my hair um, well I I and know extension my life. I know for a fact that we have a lot of bald listeners, so I'm not trying to come out as anti bald here. To me, it's just it's the <laughs> the refusal to accept that your hair is is gone because well, the, 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 ponytail, the ponytail. Yeah, the ponytail is like the ponytail. It looks it, like comic book guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, like, I mean, I guess like if you're wearing a hat. People mm. might not know, and they'll be like, well, "Damn, mm. he's got long hair for an older older gentleman." Mm. Um, but yeah, I, do, do you know what? I I kind of like Richie as a protagonist. No, I, oh I, my god, I hated him. I he think... ruins these movies. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's a more of an on paper thing as well. But I mm. the the fact that it's just some fucking dude like this ice cream salesman. This ice cream salesman. <laughs> it's such a, like an unassuming like. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things being told that this like horror slash kind of action in, in places um, franchise has an ice cream vendor who's just played by some guy who is in girl. every film yeah. is like an actor only because he's in these movies. God, and um, he shows up in the first one in such an unassuming moment. Like you've already met the two brothers and then Reggie shows up at one point. And had I known that man would change my life at the time, I would have <laughs> reacted differently to seeing him. Um, I yeah. also think he's a pretty bad actor. I think as well um and there's also a sex scene in this movie where a woman uh rides him like a rodeo bull including yee um and is this why i didn't 
Like him? Yes. But also, (laughs) there's more to come as we continue forth with our discussion on Phantasm as we go into Phantasm 3, Lord of the Dead from 1994. This was directed by Don Cassarelli. (laughs) Cassarelli. Cassarelli. And what do you think this has on Ron Tomatoes? What did I say last time? 46? uh, 36. This is 44. So slightly higher than than phantasm 2 and can you please read what the phantasm franchise wikipedia page details as the plot of this film in lord of the dead once more picking up exactly where the previous film leaves off the tall man has infiltrated the minds of mike and reggie the two friends embark (laughs) mike and reggie the two friends um (laughs) the two friends embark on a journey to find him and kill him only to discover that he has destroyed town after town leaving zombies in place of the living Along the way, Mike and Reggie meet several characters who share their goal, including a murderous boy named Tim and two young women who are excellent fighters. There's so much wrong in this synopsis. First of all, Mike is like out of commission by the start of the film. He he gets puts gets put in some kind of coma or he gets kidnapped or something. And so, to my horror, Reggie is the lone protagonist mm. of this one. Um, describing Tim as a murderous boy is really funny to me. <laughs> like, of all the ways, like, I get he's violent and he's a boy, but like, a murderous boy. Um, and the two young women who are excellent fighters is really one young woman because the first young woman uh, gets murdered by one of the terrifying silver balls in, the, mm. in her first scene. Yeah, she couldn't fight it off sorry it's not great fighter not not that great of a fighter at all uh this has a budget this had a budget of two million five hundred thousand so a little less than the second film but still quite high for the series um what did you think of this one uh this one feels like um because on the wikipedia page for phantasm the franchise it's like in, in the characters it says mike pearson it says is the main protagonist of the series and reggie is the third person named and i'm like mm. what the reggie's the main <laughs> character but it really switches in this film because in four and five he's also completely the main inarguably the main character mm. i would say yeah but yeah and and so i i, I don't know i mean it, it is like it's a worse movie and you know a long long gone are the 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 haunting notes of uh the first film score and um the the surreal dreamlike aesthetic uh charming low budget and it's kind of just like it's bordering parody at this point <laughs> um the the we're introduced to the or i don't know i'm not really introduced to it but it's 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 it reaches its zenith here the the running gag of um of reggie's uh ineptitude with women um mm. with uh rocky that's yeah yeah um, one of the one of the two young women who are excellent, excellent fighters <laughs> yeah and yeah. I, it, it does that thing because she she like um the spheres you know which are these these otherworldly th- undefeatable things she like whacks one with a nunchuck mm. and it's like you're like nerfing the the series greatest weapon just to show off how much of an excellent fighter this woman is but like like a nunchuck as well like of all the weapons to be like this one can finally go toe-to-toe with the silver balls yeah the it's their one weakness nunchucks 
Um, so I, yeah, I found this film pretty painful to watch, mainly because Reggie is upgraded from sidekick to lead, um, and he's the single worst protagonist. And, and and so much of the film is just him trying to get laid. Yeah. Um. And it's, as I said, as you, yeah, it's it's not just because I'm bald phobic; it's also because he's canonically a sex pest in this movie. Hmm. And Richard, I encourage you to put on some safety goggles because we're about to enter problematic corner. <laughs> Ooh, I bet this didn't age well Let's get a laugh at someone else's expense I have to warn you, this might get obscene This the problematic corner wearing nothing PC And there's the theme song that was <laughs> made Thank for you, us Carl. by Carlisle um, Carlisle, forever synonymous with problematic corner. <laughs> <laughs> so content warning, I guess, for like coercion is what I would call this. Um, joining Reggie in this film, as we said, is this murderous boy named Tim, as well as a young black woman named Rocky, who is also a lot younger than Reggie. Um, and nevertheless, he intentionally books a motel room with only one bed, uh, makes the little boy sleep in the car, and then tries to get it on with a very uninterested Rocky. Um, he touches her, he pushes up on her, textbook unwanted advances she ends up handcuffing him to the bed after he thinks that she's going to get kinky with him and then she just goes to sleep leaving him there now much like tarantino's sex offender character in from <laughs> dusk till dawn i don't think having a sex pest as a character is inherently problematic um in and of itself i think it's a little odd to have them as the protagonist but maybe you're doing something with your mm. film right um where the problematic thing comes in i think is because later on in the film reggie has a sex dream about rocky where the actress gets naked and moans about how big his dick is <laughs> and the fact that they actually film this is like did reggie bannister write this mm. like did he because he could probably did <laughs> like it's not it's not that much of a reach he probably wrote this what, scene what could, or uh, insisted upon this scene yeah because like reggie was cast in the first one just because he was mates with cosarelli right yeah exactly and so it's like it's it's a classic uh salma hayek's foot in tarantino's mouth situation where i got you bro <laughs> you know mm. And but also the fact that the character's name is Reggie and, and be like, oh, you will film a scene where she's naked and she goes, Reggie, your dick is so big. And it's it's so it's just so like by that point in the movie, like Rocky is kind of this cool independent character. Hmm. And then with this, it's like, nah, but don't worry, lads. Don't worry, lads, watching this movie. She's still a we sex got, object. We, we got her, we got her. And that's why <laughs> I think it's problematic and I felt thought was um pretty, pretty disappointing. Um but Reggie Bannister isn't just creepy <laughs> he's also I he's think, also I'm bald pretty, <laughs> he's bald and has a ponytail um he's a real bad actor and there's a scene at the beginning of the film where reggie and mike are visited by like the ghost of jody the older brother from the first film who can transform into an orb now or, or is an orb i don't know um and <laughs> Mike is shocked out of his mind. He's like, oh my God, Jody, I thought, you know, what, what how are you alive? Reggie does the, this. Is, I'm going to try to replicate the exact performance that Reggie Bannister gives when he walks in and sees his best friend who died over 10 years ago. He goes, mm. Jody, what are you doing here? I thought you were dead. <laughs> I thought you hair. were dead. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> what, we, what are you doing here? <laughs> I thought you were dead. <laughs> How would what you react I, if if you thought I died ten years ago? I'd I wouldn't be able to speak. I'd be I'd be I wouldn't react. lost I wouldn't for care. words. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I'm not the only person that hates Reggie. Well, I'm sorry. I am the only person that hates Reggie. <laughs> um, I, or at least there does seem to be some love for him. I went on his Wikipedia page, uh, which there is a Wikipedia page for the character. Nice, um, love that. And love uh, that I, found, I found this um, statement on like, like reception to the character twitch film says reggie bannister remains one of the most unlikely action heroes ever committed to celluloid but the man sells it like crazy um fairnet chose the character as one of their their favorite sidekicks nate yap of ClassicHorror.com calls him the most badass dude to ever drive an ice cream truck and william j wright of film threat calls him one of horror's most interesting and truly human heroes um and in a positive review of phantasm 2 amy alexander of the philadelphia Philadelphia Daily News stated that Bannister brings both authority and a sidelong look of helplessness. I have a theory that most of these people probably look like Reggie Bannister. <laughs> that's why they're being so positive towards the character. I feel really sorry, especially for um, Amy Alexander, if she looks like um, Reggie. <laughs> she probably could have a ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, representation for ponytailed people. Um, I think um, uh, the film threat one, uh, one of horror's most interesting and truly human heroes. I think there is something to be said for that that it is that it's it's a it's a solid unlikely hero um and just the fact that it's it's he's just some dude and he's just played by some dude like, <laughs> he's just played by some dude um, yeah. I, and that's why i feel so bad talking shit on him because the dude isn't even that famous his wikipedia page as long as along with every other wikipedia like source on this episode is 100 percent written by him um and reads more as like a cv than like a you know record of, <laughs> of his achievements or whatever um reggie bannister is maybe the most borderline close to just being a regular guy than any celebrity i've dunked on on this podcast and this whole goddamn franchise just feels like a friend of mine made it <laughs> like not a specific friend just some guy i know and they're asking me for feedback and i'm like i don't really want to give you feedback <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my god well that's how fe- that's how it feels being this film winning the hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Patreon vote. (laughs) It's like... Yeah, being God, mean to people, everyone who voted for it. People are so attached to this franchise, and like, yeah. like last last episode, we were like, like a phantasm's coming up, okay, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I'm still like that. <laughs> it didn't, it didn't win me. Like the the like, I get the first one. I I understand mm. why you would I think the first one is a classic and one of the all time great horror movies, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Phantasm 4 Oblivion in 1998 directed by Don Um, what do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes 26 it's got 29% on Rotten Tomatoes oh. what, what What? put you in that ballpark uh, I, I just I've been going down 
<laughs> it's a good strategy for yeah. almost every franchise. Um, and can you read us what the Wikipedia page for the Phantasm franchise says that this movie is about? Taking off immediately where the last one ended. In <laughs> this episode, episode Mike yeah. <laughs> travels across dimensions and time, fleeing from the tall man. At the same time, he tries to find the origins of his enemy and what happened the night that his brother died. Meanwhile, Reggie, accompanied by a beauty he picked up on the road, battles the spheres and the undead in a quest to find Mike before the tall man can complete his transformation. Why does it say he's accompanied by a beauty? That's so weird. Why do, <laughs> like, why does this Wikipedia page, which should She's be an objective source... No, but this, it's supposed to be an objective source of information and it refers to a woman as a beauty. <laughs> um, this budget, this film's budget was 650000 so a little more than double the original film, but significantly less from the um, two and three. Would they even be, like, with inflation... Mm. Would that be like or more or less the same? Probably. Let's have a look. Um, so, what year did this one come out? Sorry, nineteen ninety eight. So, nineteen seventy nine, nineteen ninety eight, three hundred thousand. Calculate yeah, six hundred seventy three thousand. So it's actually almost the exact same budget relative with inflation. Wow. Um, what did you I'm think? I'm glad I looked that up. That's the first time I've ever looked up inflation for this podcast, and it happened to exactly prove my point. How often does that happen? <laughs> well, you're going to get to prove it even better later on. Uh, what did you think of this movie? <laughs> I keep giving you these tantalizing. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, uh, so th- this one, we get a lot of uh, backstory for the, the tall man. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, you find out that he lived a life morning Morningside yeah Morningside for life um <laughs> is that a bro town reference it was a bro town reference um <laughs> and for those of you who don't live in New Zealand fuck you <laughs> you don't get it. to <laughs> um this one was more than anything was slow I think mm. Yeah, um, that's and a and a franchise when a, when a franchise you're not that interested in uh, slows, slows down, down this down. much. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I thought this movie was honestly just more of the same. I've never had a harder time remembering what scenes were in like a three movie stretch. Yeah, than there's, franchise. there's a weird consistency to this franchise. Mm. That's exactly what I've written right here. I've said it's it's a franchise more... I've never seen a franchise more tonally consistent and yet so mind-numbingly dull as Phantasm. Mm. Like, <laughs> if, you mm, are, mm. if you're fully on board with this franchise, like some people are, <laughs> I can see why you would, yeah, you, you would think all of these films are great, you know? Mm-hmm. Like episodes of a, of a TV show that took 40 years to come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, um, I thought that this one got gets points over the last one, in my opinion, because um, Mike is more of a lead 
um, instead of Reggie, arguably. Sure, yeah. like, um, the sequel began production when Canadian filmmaker Roger Avery wrote a screenplay titled Phantasm 1999 AD, um, which was intended as a sequel to Lord of the Dead. It was set in a post-apocalyptic near future and would feature Bruce Campbell as a co-star. Um, as the project ran into financing difficulties, Don Cossarelli wrote and directed this fourth installment as a precursor to the project. Um, so, you know, they were never going to get Bruce Campbell <laughs> for <laughs> well, 650000 mean, Yeah. Um, but I guess I mean, it could be one of those, um, you know, vicious circle or Boris things that's like, they would have gotten a, more of a budget if they'd gotten mm. Bruce Campbell signed on, but they wouldn't have gotten Bruce Campbell signed on without that budget. Do you think Bruce Campbell brings in that much more budget? He always strikes me as like kind of the cream of the B-tier crop. Well, he did, he did Bubba Hotep. That's true. Yeah, no, he's, he, he is very much a B-movie actor. Um, but mm. I think there's an understanding of a certain amount of cred that that yeah. comes with bruce campbell like in in nerd spheres but i think that probably has that currency is a bit more wait nerd valid. what cred nerd and and nerd what what you, you said spheres i was making a, oh. a silver ball joke i thought i said nerd cred and i was like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah he gets he brings in, in nerd cred um but i think that that as a currency the the, the nerd credibility is uh it's yeah the inflation um <laughs> <laughs> now like 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 it's a lot more valuable these days i don't think in 1998 you would have been like oh well you know this this niche group of people love bruce campbell sure. so we'll put him in it whereas these days shit like ash versus evil did like putting a bruce campbell cameo in your thing is like holds more weight i think these days mm. yeah uh, and another instance of legitimately interesting filmmaking, and maybe why this one edges above the last couple, um, is this film uses footage of unused endings from the first film, um, which allows for the narrative to weave in flashbacks featuring the actual younger versions of the actors. Did mm. you notice this? Oh, mm. That was super interesting, because I was like, cool. how did they... <laughs> like, because and like you can you know it's de-aging was incredible in 1998 <laughs> it was probably a reverse engineered so they probably built the they would have mm. built the script for this one around the available lines yeah it's like um the first, there's the, the um the why mac got fat episode of mm. always sunny that they so rob mccallany got fat for a season mm. of um always sunny and then they did an episode which was that they, they shot an episode that they never used for the previous season so they wrote around the existing <laughs> footage for this episode then made to explain why mac got fat so they could do flashbacks without having to like you know wait till he lost the weight to, to film them <laughs> um I thought, yeah, I thought this was pretty interesting and would have made a pretty seamless and interesting sort of um, thing in the franchise if they hadn't recast the main guy in the second <laughs> movie. Um, returning briefly to Problematic Corner, though, while it's not as creepy in this, uh, Reggie does once again try it on with another woman he meets on the road, a beauty, if you will, um, and she is pretty uninterested in him as well. Uh, he then wakes up next to her in the, the next morning to discover her boobs have been replaced with the terrifying silver ball. Mm. which is that was i liked it. That, that was funny like that yeah. was like a, all right you got me <laughs> you were, yeah. i was trying to look at her boobs <laughs> <laughs> that's not what i meant but <laughs> much funnier. um can you tell me what happens at the end of this movie 
Uh, <laughs> can you can um, you make sense I, of it? I'm, I'm having to, to to remind myself of how it ends. Remind myself of how remind me of how it ends from a objective standpoint. So one thing we we probably should have mentioned. Um, we probably should have mentioned <laughs> this episode already is there's this whole thing with like a tuning fork that is like mm. the, like it, it disarms the tall man. If you, if you whack it, but there's also these giant tuning forks, which are like portals to another realm, which I never was really too satisfied with what I was explained. They were like, I didn't really understand what these portals were because they looked very interesting and probably the most interesting part about the franchise, <laughs> but I never really explained what it was. Um, and it ends with um, uh, Mike goes through one of these, I think, and meets Jody in a graveyard where he kills Jody because Jody's a bad guy now and he has yellow blood, which is the sign that this, they're bad yeah. now. And then goes back out where he gets attacked by the tall man who comes out of the thing and then reggie's like i'm going back in the thing and i'll save you and it looks like mike dies and reggie just runs back into the portal the tuning fork portal um and then they didn't make another one for 18 years (laughs) yeah what a cliffhanger (laughs) yeah i i don't know that i understood it um to to, while i you know enough to, to to be that Mm. occupied with the mystery i also had to, had to watch i left these quite late and ended up having to watch them quite quickly <laughs> um so i didn't <laughs> oh, have God. much time to to ruminate on um mm. on what it must have been like to to live that 18 year drought mm. of phantasm yeah. films um we talk about titles a lot on this podcast what are your thoughts on phantasm iv oblivion and the iv is the iv in the middle of oblivion do, do you reckon that they just Yes, they I do. For a word, yeah. I, I, I know exactly <laughs> what you're going to say. They mm. picked the word oblivion because it has a Roman numeral four in the exact center of it and called it that. Um, because, Which, like, in their defense, that's fucking dope. <laughs> it is fucking dope, but the movie, what does the movie have to say on the concept of oblivion? Nothing. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's one of the themes, like, um, bigger is better. <laughs> bigger is better. Um, and the same thing is, is done with the, the V in, in Phantasm Ravager, which we will talk about next. Uh, so Phantasm Ravager, a very interesting entry in the series for two reasons. One, it came out in 2016, 18 years after the last one, the longest gap since the gap between one and two. Uh, and it's also not directed by Don Cossarelli. It's directed by David Hartman, though Don Cossarelli did stay on as, um, you know, executive producer, etc., etc. Uh, what do you think this has on Ron Tomatoes? Okay, so I've been doing my sixes, and uh, you know, my my pattern would dictate the next one would be sixteen. It, I could see this one having one of those weird spikes where only a few people reviewed it, and a few of them were mm. fans of the series. I'm not going to quite go over fresh, mm-hmm. but I kind of want to guess like fifty six again. It's 57, Richard. Very good. You've got this down to a science. <laughs> um, yeah, 57. So it's the second highest rated since the first film. Wow. There you go. Um, and can you, for the final time, read what the Wikipedia page for the Phantasm franchise says that this one is about? 
in the series finale, <laughs> Reggie continues his quest to stop the evil dimension hopping schemes of the tall man and his armada of killer sentinel spheres, mm-hmm. which I guess they're called sentinel spheres. They are called um, sentinels. Uh, this time, the fight becomes a multi-dimensional battle across an alien planet, multiple timeline and timelines, and altered realities where the fate of Earth is on the line. And audience, guess what's not communicated very clearly? <laughs> Any of that. <laughs> Any of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that um, that uh, I think it's in the last one, um, uh, the, the introduction of the, of the law that like the spheres contain brains. Oh, yeah, that was cool. That, that, that was kind of cool, but it also feels like the, um, the Michael Myers as Laurie's brother of the franchise. Right. Where it's like, I, I like it, it feels like oh yeah of course like you know you the phantasm yeah this the spheres of brains but i feel like there's probably a subset of people that are like no they over explained it mm. um it's so much better without it that like yeah yeah the, or like if you were to do a true phantasm sequel um but i mean the fact that don cosarelli like this is his vision through to the end essentially i mean he didn't drink this one but he, he you know stayed on and um writing and executive producing mm-hmm. that um it, it is like it feels like the thing you would do like yeah i'm making a true the true phantasm sequel mm. and i'm getting rid of the brain thing um but yeah the one thing about that that is cool about this franchise is that it is someone's singular vision which we haven't really seen for one of these a long-running horror franchise that's other than yeah like the most the closest one i guess you could say is scream mm. but like all of them have um you know, uh friday the 13th has sean s cunningham um nightmare on Elm street has um wes craven halloween has john carpenter mm. um texas chainsaw massacre uh, toby hooper that it's like all of these ones uh, and th- there's always some story of them trying to get control back or like you know like rejoining the franchise yeah. because it went so far off the rails whereas this one never had that which is kind of cool interestingly if don casarelli Casar- what's his name casarelli <laughs> casarelli had directed this one it would have bumped him up into our top 15 directors that we've ever <laughs> covered like the most prolific directors are from this for this podcast um just from one franchise alone wow. but he didn't and so he's not and this would be close to one of our longest franchises with all directed by the all same person. by the same guy correct um what what I'm did not. you what did you think of phantasm ravager do you agree with its mm. 57% Rotten Tomato score? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> this, this, like, you messaged me yesterday and said this has big, uh, funded by Kickstarter mm. energy um, and aesthetic. But it's like, yeah, it, it, it's it, immediately it looks like uncinematic. And, that, and that's the thing of how, what low budget. Mm uh it, it like looks like having changed yeah um because I, I i guess now there's a um like no matter what there's a charm to film mm-hmm. and something being shot on film and, and being low budget for the time it's like well you know it's still shot on film so it looks cool Where, this looks like a shot on an iphone <laughs> yeah this looks like reggie bannister funded it himself because he was bored <laughs> of not being famous anymore and <laughs> and called his friend yeah. david hartman um to come and film another another phantasm movie it it does a lot of it comes down to lighting um that it's it's very flat lighting there's scenes shot outdoors 
um, where the top of Reggie's bald head is completely overexposed. <laughs> and as a cameraman who regularly has to light people in mm. the in broad daylight, and especially when they're bald, it's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> but I I overcome it yeah. shooting news. Like, you're on a film set. Yeah, grow yeah. up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, he wasn't a fan of that. No, <laughs> um, but yeah, but um, at the same time, there like even that almost has a charm to it that it does look like it, it, this looks like the film your friend made, which looks pretty good for your friend. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, you, you're too emba- embarrassed to give for their sake <laughs> to give proper feedback on. And you're trying to word your your feedback so it doesn't sound like it means what you're saying, and you're like. Do you reckon it's wise to like cast yourself as the lead character? Like, what, what, what? Walk me through that decision. <laughs> like, I just really felt connected to the characters. Like, do you want to maybe cast someone who's not bald and has a ponytail? <laughs> someone who hasn't looked like that for thirty years. God, he, he, he looks pretty good. He does. He does look like, uh, like he has like, aged you, thirty years. <laughs> when you when you look like shit forty years ago, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, there's there's not much. Um, um, much place to go. Although, like, I just I just came across looking at Reggie Bannister. Like, I came across a photo of him from like the first or second film, and it's like he, he looked a lot better. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought he looked pretty good in this one, but he looked uh, a lot better in the, mm. the first one. So I'm a sucker for returning to a franchise after a big hiatus, yeah. even though it's rarely as good. But it always is fun to. This is like old man Reggie, you know. <laughs> like it's mm. it's it's all these years later, and that is always interesting to see. Um, and dare I say, there are even shades of um Twin Peaks: The Return, the season three of Twin Peaks, in this. Mm. Um, only in as much as both Twin Peaks and Phantasm Four promised a sequel, which took decades to arrive. Um, and that. That's where the similarities stopped, to be honest. Um, because, boy, is this a hard watch. Um, it's confusing. It's cheap in a way that removes all of the charm, as you said, from the original's low budget. Um, and Reggie is back in the saddle as the lone protagonist. It's not He doesn't share the spotlight, really, in this one. Um, and he's up to his mm. old tricks of tracking the tall man, picking up woman half his age on the road, and tying his male pattern baldness into a stinky ponytail. You know it stinks. <laughs> you know it stinks. You know it's a stinky ponytail. Yeah. It, it 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 very much it looks like a fan film really yes it's, it's, it so does this or a be, web series the, like a yeah, webisode like, <laughs> would be the king of of fan films but yeah, yeah like every every fan film we've looked up a little clip of mm. um for whatever reason looks like this. <laughs> yeah yeah so this movie, after 18 years of development hell, was actually independently funded um, for allegedly three hundred thousand dollars, which is the same mm. as the first film. But uh, I guess inflation would mean it's that's it's, not- it's, it's yeah, it's less money than than. Um- so this is the the lowest budget. When have we ever covered a franchise where the first fi- the the last film is a lower budget than the first film? Uh, what well, the other thing as well is that this was um because uh, this this is a weird franchise in that first one was theatrical second one was theatrical three and four were straight to dvd mm. 
but this one graduated to theaters again yeah yeah it, just, it came back is incredibly rare yeah very interesting stats probably <laughs> um what what the budget for this film does do though is it gives the franchise as a whole a pretty mind-blowing stat richard because all five movies have a budget combined have a budget of less than seven million dollars uh, with oh, a little boy. under half of that being spent on the second film alone Wow. <laughs> that, that is ah, i don't know like I, I part of me wants to be like that's so cool you know <laughs> and it's seven million dollars across five films and not divided in the way you would do that sensibly if you <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that much yeah <laughs> I, um one thing that that is cool about this is that it's it is a it is a series finale mm-hmm. so 18 years later god yeah but that we had Reggie's been the same the whole way through, and the tall man has been the same way the whole way through. And it's one of those one of those things where like the tall man is old in nineteen seventy nine. Mm. Yeah, he's, he's an still there, man. Um thirty seven years later in the sequel. Well he he actually do you know this? He passed away at the age of eighty nine before mm. the movie came out. So yeah. that's how fucking old the tall man like literally like a decrepit skeleton in the nineteen seventy nine <laughs> original is alive thirty seven years later to be in this one yeah. just before he dies. Which is insane because because when 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 Phantasm started growing gaining traction, I, I had to Google what is Phantasm. Mm. And so it's like, okay, the tall man's this this thing, whatever, like he's this old man from the first one. Oh, the tall man's a villain in all of them. Oh, okay, I wonder when they recast him and then found out Oh fuck! It's still him and the, mm. um, and that's like, I mean, you know, full credit to Angus Scrim and mm. Perfect Snogging, um, that he was able to um, stay alive to be in but, all of them. Yeah, sure. But this, just from a just from a frustration perspective, I'm like, how is Phantasm in the end one of the like perfect franchises in terms yeah. of it's like it's it's like growth in the story it was given like i'm so, i'm just so astonished that of all out of all the projects that have struggled across years and years to get made and to complete their story and to be finished of all the stories to have been able to provide closure for their fans phantasm a franchise about fucking nothing. Mm. <laughs> it's as this auteur's vision, which was allowed to complete its narrative despite all these hardships. Like, give me Pushing Daisies season three. Give me, you know, like, I don't want, yeah. tr- I would trade all of Phantasm for another season of Firefly. <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I don't watch Firefly, but the, the, mm. it's just like, of all yeah, the things. You wouldn't want to give my Joss Whedon that anyway. <laughs> of all the projects that have struggled and, like, the story of Phantasm to have been able to, even after 37 years, have completed the story they supposedly wanted to tell. Hmm. Like, it's not fair. There are so many projects that deserve this treatment that don't get it and it's this stupid franchise that i hate <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it is um i i like i i know how the, somewhat how these things work and that it's like 300 th- okay fine hmm. like <laughs> what you want two million dollars okay f- whatever yeah yeah that yeah, it, it's it, it managed to do this by just completely slipping under the radar um, <laughs> of the people whose decision it is to fund mm. these movies and to make them. And, like, the sequels came out, like, like all of them came out 
quite far away, apart from each other. The mm. closest can, the closest time is 1998 and 1994 for three and four. Um, and the like, it's just so hard to believe that you've like written one and then they're like, you know what? I need to continue the story. Mm. You know, like the way Pixar people talk about sequels, like we need to, we're waiting for the right story. It's like, it's just such an, uh, do you know what it is? It's an uninteresting story. I'm sorry. I'm not interested in the story and I'm shocked that it has enough mileage to take it across nearly 40 years and five films, you know. Um, There is a post-credit scene or a mid-credit scene. um, Mid-credit's fucking half the movie, it feels like. (laughs) You're it's like so four right. minutes long it's four minutes long and it also happens like after maybe 30 seconds of credit so it's not, not even, even that it's yeah. like directed by yeah. edited by <laughs> and then here's uh, fucking the rest of the movie mm. um where rocky shows back up and hangs out with um uh this this guy who's this this little person who's been part of the cast for about 30 minutes before the end of the film who then like grabs her fucking tit and is like do i have a chance with you and it's like oh my god free me free me from this prison (laughs) like even in its last moments phantasm couldn't let me get out of here with with my dignity (laughs) um do you have any favorite moments or anything you want to talk about about phantasm before we move towards the score of the the first one yeah Okay. It's fucking good. <laughs> like 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 Phantasm One as a single movie would be such a great cult classic. Mm. And and such a good like hidden gem. Mm. Um but unfortunately it's just a fairly unremarkable franchise. <laughs> I did like I liked the idea of of this one of Ravager having like all these interdimensional swaps. Like there's there's like mm. it's very lost esque. Like there's Reggie in the retirement home, there's Reggie in, in yeah. the in the other planet, and it's like not really clear which one's the real one and what's really going on. Um and I liked that. Kind of reminded me of it's like a shitty version of the father, the Anthony Hopkins. Uh, yeah, yeah. Before you don't know what time is and and what, but it's like as with everything else in the series, it is very confusing. And worse, it's not only confusing; it's also not very intriguing. It's, it's the yeah. rare cocktail of something being um, enigmatic but not intriguing at all. <laughs> All right, well, Richard, that is Phantasm. We're just going to move on now to our final segment of the episode. Continue the franchise um, where we uh, pitch it's not our, our final own. Segment. Well, it's one of the final segments hmm. um, where we pitch our own franchise continuations. Um, and despite that tantalizing post-credit scene um, at the end of the uh, f- the last film, there I couldn't find any plans for a um, sixth film. Everywhere refers to the fifth one as the final one, hmm. and with Angus Scrim being dead as well, I can't mm-hmm. imagine they would. Um, you know, in terms of other phantasm media, there's books and shit that aren't, again, it's like, you're not going to gain anything from me telling you what the phantasm comic books are about. Mm. Um, so, uh, my continue the franchise is called phantasm regicide, <laughs> where <laughs> everyone kills Reggie and they cut off his ponytail, um, or just let the man sell ice cream. What is wrong with me? I'm so, I'm being so evil on this episode. Mm. I'm not, I'm no spring chicken. Who am I to say that Reggie's not fit to be a main character? <laughs> anyway, yeah. what's what's your consider the franchise? Um, my one is called Phantasm, 
but it's spelled with an F. Oh god! Um, and it's uh, in what might be a first, I think, for for film franchise Fortnite's. Um, this is um, a documentary in the same kind of vein as Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. Um, and I want to. Uh, it's a documentary about Phantasm fans finding out. Do they actually exist, or was this just a practical joke on us? And <laughs> thirty-seven like, what, years in the making. What do they like about like what's going on? Maybe it follows Reggie Bannister, um, which would be a great like that probably be a great documentary that this just some guy has like presumably is beloved at like comic cons and stuff, mm. um, and like horror cons, but. Yeah, um, essentially, because legitimately, midway through this franchise, I was like, "What was everyone joking? Like this, this, this franchise feels like a practical joke. Mm. It feels like this, fr- yeah, this was made up to be like." It's like I am the walrus, the the the, the Beatles song that was <laughs> made up to be because John Lennon found out that there was a class analyzing Beatles lyrics. Well, he's, so he's like, "Well, I'm going to do the stupidest one." And like, I did not know that about like that. I am the walrus. Yeah, it, it feels like that. Where they're like, "We're going to make a franchise," and then everyone pretend to like it, and it's like, "Well, maybe we're in that club now." If people ask after this, ask, "What do you think of Phantasm?" I'm going to say best franchise ever and people are gonna go wow yeah. really and then they'll watch it and they'll be like this was just kind of like yeah. fairly consistent but pretty boring and didn't really would yeah. find it remarkable in any way apart from the score for the first film and i'll be like Gah! and then yeah. they'll get it similar to like how in the ring you have to pass the tape on mm. to not be cursed yourself mm. you have to tell other people that phantasm's a really good franchise and then what the tall man stops haunting you so congratulations. You, you, you get some ice cream from Richie. <laughs> congratulations, Mike, from the Discord. Your curse is broken. You got this one suggested and watched. Yeah. Um, that's right, right man. Well, so to continue the trend, I think we have to, for ranked at franchise, put re- uh, put Phantasm in the number one spot. <laughs> well, we are on ranked at franchise now, which is our letterboxed list of all the franchises we've ever watched. Um, Phantasm makes our 139th franchise, so the next one will be the 140th. That's kind Ooh. of a that's kind of a milestone. Um, mm. And what are you thinking? Like, it's it's probably pretty low. I would put it maybe. Oh, you know where it should go. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, bro. Uh, maybe that I'd get in trouble for that. What do you think about putting it under the Hammer Mummy movies? Or is it better than the Hammer Mummy movies? Uh, what number are we looking at there? 130. <laughs> um, yeah. You yeah. What, were you gonna, what, what were you going to say if you'd get in trouble for? <laughs> putting it there, is it, is, it, is it better than that? Um, uh, Alex, what's above it? Because um, there's some... Ab- oh, no, I mean... I was going to say there are some above it with no redeeming qualities, but there aren't real. I mean, above it, you've got things like Bring It On, which I like the first film. Um, uh, I would probably rather watch George of the Jungle 1 and 2 again than <laughs> Phantasm as a series again. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, that, that also gets points of being sure. Yeah, let's put it after the Hammer Mummy movies in 130th <laughs> place. <laughs> but although this one um uh, is this a gold star franchise uh so gold star franchise which indicates um uh franchise where with no unanimously agreed upon weak link um i would say it is but that's not actually up to us we have to take in 
critical mm. reception, which I don't think you know, yeah. like people, that's not what people think of this franchise. They think there's a very clear best one and a very clear worst one, you know? Mm. I think there's a clear best one, but I don't know about how unanimous the weak link is, you know? Sure. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think I think as well Gold Star is supposed to ind- indicate like, hey, the first one's not necessarily the best one, which I think yeah. is quite rare for a franchise. Mm. Um, cool. So that's over on our letterbox. You can find that um, in the show notes as well if you like. Um, and Richard, we're now going to do something a little bit different to what yeah. we usually do. Usually we do something right now called Franchise Roulette, which is where we take a list of all the franchises we could think of at the time and we draw a random number and that number tells us what what is the next franchise that we're going to do. But <sighs> times have been tough, Richard. New Zealand mm. is in the in the the middle of of a how long's the lockdown in Auckland been going now? Uh it's been going for nine weeks, and we just got confirmation today that it's uh, going to extend for no longer, no shorter than five more weeks, likely till the end of the year. Um, and th- this would this is the the by far the longest lockdown New Zealand's had. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I've been doing pretty shitty. I'm feeling pretty <laughs> shitty most of the time. Um, and uh, things like films don't really bring me that much joy at the moment. Um, and especially, uh, and we find this every year, but the spooky uh, Spooktober, we're often just bummed out at the end of because you're watching so many films where people just keep fucking dying. Um, and, is that why Halloween Town was such a godsend last Spooktober? Yeah, and Blade as well. That like mm. it, Blade was like it, it's it's not as much a horror, but it kind of is. And uh, yeah, so that's where I'm at. And well, we were talking earlier in the week. Um, and what we're going to do here, um, it just for my mental health. Um, is we're going to do fun franchise roulette. So we've made a list of franchises that are easy watches, feel-good movies. Um, I've added two film franchises back into the list. Um, oh, wow. Or just, you know, just generally uh, nicer watches because – after From Dust Till Dawn and Phantasm, I'm I'm just burnt out. And uh, the the if you think this is cheating or whatever, um, the alternative is that we just don't do the podcast for a few weeks because that was the original idea. There's also 63 fun franchises we've noted down here. So can you, if you're doubting this, can you name 63 franchises? So you probably will mm. notice a difference. The only reason we're drawing attention to it is because the franchise after this is going to be decided by Patreon. And we also want to um, encourage fun idea, fun choices for that yeah. one, just for the sake of, of your mental health. And it's not, not my mental health. Christchurch isn't in lockdown, but, like the world is yeah. still a shitty place <laughs> yeah but i am no longer afraid to die <laughs> uh, yeah I, yeah I, I i keep feeling like i have to like justify like i know the whole world has gone through this and it's like yep new zealand it's finally your time it's extra shitty when it's the world is opening up mm. and we finally got you know like we lived without restrictions for a, a year and um now we have the most restrictions in the world. Mm. And uh, I saw someone pointed out, it's like, well, it's, you know, it's easier for them now because we've got vaccines. So they're not worried about catching it. And it's like, 
okay, I still can't leave my house. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, like, it, it, it is funny seeing these things. It's like, yeah, this is actually like, uh, we're, we're, we're catching up to be the longest lockdown mm. um, ever. And if you're sitting in the UK or um, the US and thinking, but we were locked down longer than that. You, what you did isn't considered a lockdown by our standards. So <laughs> anyway, uh, here we are. Um, uh, fun franchise list, keeping things light and happy. Um, mm. Do you want to do the I will. The I, sh- I do also want to say that um, because of all these reasons as well, the next couple of off weeks, we're going to do just um, some Patreon sample packs to just so you guys can still have content, but it, it will be content that was released on the Patreon yeah. over a year ago probably maybe even over two years ago so um that's going to be what the podcast looks like for the next couple of weeks you know just so that we can we, we usually do a patreon sample pack run each year just as a way to give us a little break so we're just taking that break a little earlier this year but richard yes please give me a number from your random number generator no, shut this um the list so between I also see. one and 63 41. did you get that Play again. 41. 41. All right. Well, before I tell you what that is, everybody, I do just want to say that if you've enjoyed this episode, and another way you can help our mental health is by supporting Cole Popcher <laughs> at all the different places. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram. You can join our Discord, which there'll be a show a link to the show in the show notes. Um, or you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Cole where for as little as a dollar a month, you can tell us what movies to watch uh, as long as they're fun. And Richard. <laughs> yeah, there will be a uh, franchise. If you're listening to this uh, when the mm. podcast is released in the next day or two, mm. uh, there will be the the Patreon poll put up to uh, suggest uh, our second franchise for November. Mm. But There's the also- first franchise for November will be... Oh, yeah. You were going to say something instead of my segue. Sorry, your segue was wonderful. I was just going to say you can buy shirts, you can buy merch over on the Cold mm. Popshire Teespring as well. Um, there's new merch up there now for Spooktober. There's like our logo, but it's done as Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street and Hellraiser. Richard, it's a two film franchise. Hmm. We haven't had one of these <laughs> drawn in a long time, have we? Yeah, yeah, not randomly. Yeah. Uh, it is an animated franchise. Uh, I think we're probably going to have a lot of fun watching this well that's good we like fun here <laughs> um i'm trying to think of hints i feel like any hint i give you you'll get it immediately do you know what i mean how old is it uh last 10 or so years probably uh are there any caveats to um what we're supposed to do during the episode yes there is it says i have to eat an entire thing of meatballs <laughs> yes so cloudy of the chance of meatballs yeah, how did you know? Did you pick 41 on purpose? Uh, no, well, you just said it's an animated franchise that any clues would give it away, mm. and it's from the last 10 years. I figured that. Right, yeah, so we're going to watch Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs <laughs> 2. Does it have a c- subtitle? Uh, I, I don't think so. If it is, it's something about there being an island. <laughs> yeah, I've seen both of them, I think. Yes, yeah, um, And we've also written in here, AJ eats an entire thing of meatballs during the episode, which feels like chance of meatballs too. A, a vestige of when we first put the list together and wrote mm. little things like that next to, and have never drawn one in the entire time. Yeah, because yeah, cause what, what used to be on there, there was uh, the Cornetto trilogy was like, we both eat three cornetos. Um, oh, the hangover was said uh, Richard gets drunk. And both of us getting drunk. Um, and 
Yeah, like there was a bunch um, that were taken off at some point, but taken off after we took off two full franchises. But when we took off two full franchises, I found this. Um, I put them all into another document, and so yeah. I could just grab them from that. Yeah. Um, so I made like a you know a dump document for them, um, and so. I also, I always just found it, and I think maybe the reason this one was kept was I always just found it so funny that it's the unit of measurement for meatballs is an entire thing. <laughs> I got it from um, Arista <laughs> Development, where it's like, and Michael was so so upset he ate an entire thing of candy beans. Um, <laughs> so yeah, tune in in two weeks' time for Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs be a 2. Lot of those. Okay, thank you. Where I will be eating allegedly an entire thing of meatballs. Um, and I'm so yeah. excited, like, because this is this was a joke that has existed since the podcast inception. Yeah, right. And it was like, what, what, what three, four years ago was locked away to to never be seen. And out mm. of sixty three franchises, we landed on the one where we're able to revive this joke that's incredible <laughs> this is this is what fun franchise fortnights is all about this is what fun vimba is about yeah <laughs> no bad times vimba <laughs> yeah um cool our well, gmp is bad times at the LYR <laughs> because our fans hate us um so thank you for listening everybody and um please stay tuned for the post credit scene which will play after this music stops and yeah um thank you so much for a wonderful spooktober and we hope you enjoy the um patreon sample packs in the next couple of weeks and clay with a chance of meatballs what franchise did we just do i've forgotten it was fantastic <laughs> um, see you later bye everybody boy there you go there's a fantastic <laughs> reference <laughs> All right, welcome along, everybody, to the post-credit scene. This is a segment where at the end of each episode, if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash cultpopshire, you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post-credit scene. Richard, who's it from? What did they say? What did they ask? What did they want us to talk about in this, the post-credit scene? This, the post-credit scene, where for $5, uh, <laughs> you mean that or post-credit more. scene? <laughs> um, so there's uh, Dylan Hutton um has asked um and god damn it we're um i'm just realizing we're, this is the 93rd post-credit scene we've done wow um hot damn this is fucking that's a lot that's a lot god damn i got damn um dylan harden writes if you could create an escape room based around any movie property what would it be and what are the puzzles I like I should have prepped for this one. <laughs> um I, I mean I, I don't necessarily know about the the puzzles, um, because I feel like they're they're just so elaborate. Mm-hmm. Um but in terms of like escape room, I think there's um obviously the ones that are gonna draw big crowds are going to be ones based on horror franchises. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking something like Saw. Mm-hmm. Uh but I I was this even no i don't think it was the the post-credit scene but i like the hangover the hangover would be a great one to do um a post-credit like you you have had a yeah like you have had a hangover yeah like 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 you're waking up and uh alan has drugged you and you have to piece together what happened the night before i mean essentially this is just like it doesn't have to be there's no reason that has to be branded the hangover (laughs) but 
Yeah, I feel like that was um, at one of our continue the franchises for, or was or we did like a point we, and click I, game. Someone's done a, I think I think the Hangover was a point and click, um, yeah, game. But someone has one of us has done an escape room as a a post credit. Mm. What, what about a, you? Um, Have you got any the franchise before? Um, yep, I'm going to pick um, um, <laughs> uh, Lost in Translation as. <laughs> Oh, yeah. as via escape room um and you, the only way you escape is if you figure out what bill murray whispered in scarlett johansson's ear that's the password to get out ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll yeah. forever be lost in translation. in translation. Do you know you whispered in her ear? What? McClunky. 